Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. My iPhone walked away from a great party at a Mexican restaurant last month, but not with me. When my denial gave way, as I absorbed the full force of the fact that the only phone numbers I know by heart are of my childhood friends. Kem realized that I had had the settings wrong and the upcoming two weeks of my schedule had only backed up to my phone. I had no contacts, no calendar, no idea whom I was meeting when or where and no way to call whoever they were to ask them. Free fall. If this sounds freeing, it was not. I have joked in the past about my phone being the annex of my brain, but this so-called apple picking was Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole, disorienting and sobering and expensive. It was not funny. But something wonderful also came of this little calamity. Everyone with whom I spoke reacted with something ranging from concern to panic bordering on terror. Every hand reached for the assurance of their phone. Everyone understood, everyone sympathized, and everyone went out of their way to help. At the peak of dinner hour in a crowded restaurant, people pushed back their chairs from tables and began to hunt, cell phone flashlights probing under radiators and behind drapery. A young woman poured a beer from a pitcher and offered it to me. <laughs> the next morning, Kem uh, met a member of the wait staff before opening, searched the entire room, and then empty-handed, headed out into the freezing day and dredged a sludgy puddle with little icebergs floating in it. Our own Kate Burney shared her unused phone upgrade with me. Kem headed to the mall twice and talked me down on an old flip phone that a neighbor lent to me. Lesson, it is not that misery loves company. Misery loves empathy. My friend and colleague of beloved memory, Father Henry Nowen, wrote, when people honestly ask ourselves, when we honestly ask ourselves, which people in our lives mean the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and touch our woundedness with a warm and tender hand. The friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing, and face with us the reality of our powerlessness. That 
is a true friend. In May of 2006, after a tornado ripped through the small town of Otwell, Indiana, Catherine Martin, then 27 years old, said, I kept thinking those poor people, somebody's got to help them. She loaded her car with juice boxes, snacks, and toys, drove the 60 miles from her home in Evansville to Otwell, and dropped off her donation with the Red Cross. But as she was leaving, she saw a couple sorting through the wreckage of their home. Their children stood by, watching. She pulled over, got out, and offered to play with the kids. Their parents were so grateful. On the drive home, Catherine came up with an idea. With the help of family, friends, and neighbors, she organized homegrown fundraisers, bake sales, car washes, walk runs, carnivals. And 15 months later, she unveiled CJ's bus, a 35-foot school bus that had been transformed into a mobile playroom. For the next six years, Catherine and her team of 39 volunteers drove the bus, stocked with bins of games, crafts, books, and more, to disaster-torn towns, giving the children a safe place to play while their parents cleaned up, tended to paperwork, or simply took a break. On our third day in Earl, Arkansas, she remembers, after a tornado there, a little boy asked where I live. When I told him Indiana, he couldn't believe I'd brought CJ's bus all that way to help his family. Honestly, I wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else. Catherine Martin had a full-time job as a township trustee. This was her volunteer service. When I first heard this story, I wondered, what was it about that first tornado that got to her? So it turns out it wasn't her first tornado. It was her second. The first tornado had struck Evansville six years earlier in the middle of the night. Catherine's two-year-old son, CJ, was sleeping over with his grandparents. Their mobile home was destroyed, and all three died. The pain will never go away, says Catherine. And it broke my heart to think about what those other families were going through especially the children. Sympathy is a feeling of care and understanding for others' suffering. Empathy is the ability to feel and experience what others experience and to do something. And I want to say, C.J. Martin, presente. There's a lot of science about empathy. Binghamton University's Justin Kalin writes, according to the literature of evolutionary psychology, humans create shortcuts, such as stereotyping, to make a complex world easier to understand. As a result, our perceptions are filled with bias. Many of the judgments we make on the basis of race, ethnicity, religion, age, ability, disability, gender, and sexual orientation 
are merely the negative outcome of survival imperatives. We humans are adapted to the past, meaning that our primitive selves are operating beneath a 21st century consciousness. Empathy is the natural antidote. Studies have concluded that empathy reduces prejudice and racism. It's good for your marriage and other relationships, deepening intimacy and resolving conflicts. Empathy reduces bullying and aggression among kids, making them kinder and more inclusive of people who are not like them. Empathy makes us better bosses. People with empathic bosses are sick less often and report greater happiness. And empathy promotes heroic acts. Virtually unfailingly, righteous Gentiles who rescued Jewish people during the Holocaust had been encouraged from a young age to take the perspective of others. Very sadly, using our cell phones, as opposed to having lost our cell phones, using our cell phones may be eroding our capacity for empathy. In a New York Times article entitled Gray Matter, Your Phone Versus Your Heart, psychologist Barbara L. Fredrickson writes, can you remember the last time you were in a public space in America in which half the people around you weren't bent over a digital screen? One measurable toll of our publicly thumbing a connection to somewhere else may be our biological capacity to connect with other people. Here's a quick anatomy lesson, she continues. Your brain is tied to your heart by your vagus nerve. By and large, the, the higher your vagal tone, the better. It means that your body is better able to regulate the internal systems that keep you healthy. Vagal tone is also central to things like facial expressiveness and the ability to tune in to the human voice. The more attuned to others we become, the more we increase our capacity for connection, friendship, and empathy, the more we increase our vagal tone and the healthier we become, and vice versa. So this mutual influence also explains how a lack of positive social contact also diminishes us. Our heart's capacity for friendship obeys the biological law of use it or lose it. If someone doesn't regularly exercise their ability to connect, face-to-face, -face, the basic biologically capacity to do that will wither. thought about this recently when I saw a gaggle of young elementary school kids all hanging onto something that resembled a rope ladder, surrounded by teachers on both ends and a third who was monitoring the crosswalk as they crossed a busy street in Cambridge. And I flashed an image of Mrs. Hemingway, my kindergarten teacher, and the way she would fix her adoring gaze on you as if you were the only child who had ever drawn her a picture with hearts and kisses all over it. <laughs> By contrast, the teacher to the side of the rope ladder was not looking at the traffic, nor was she looking at the children. She was looking at her phone. And if you walk down Boylston Street, Right here, at any time of day, you will see 
harried parents pushing babies in high-tech carriages, a cell phone held up between them and their toddler's tipped-up face. Dr. Fredrickson says, our personal histories of social connection or loneliness alter our immune system. New parents may need to worry less about genetic testing and more about their own actions, how their own actions, such as test texting while breastfeeding or otherwise paying more attention to their phone than their child, leave life-limiting impressions on them and their children. When we share a smile or a laugh with someone face to face, a discernible synchrony emerges between us as our gestures and biochemistries, even our respective neural firings, come to mirror each other. It's micro-movements such as these in which a wave of good feeling rolls through two brains and bodies at once that build our capacity to empathize as well as to improve our health. Dr. Barbara Fredrickson concludes, the next time you see someone, especially a child, spending too much of their day facing a screen, extend a hand and invite them back to the world of real social encounters. You'll not only build up their health and empathic skills, but yours as well. Friends don't let friends lose their capacity for humanity. In the summer of 2010, photographer Brandon Stanton set out to single-handedly create a photographic census of New York City. His goal was to photograph 10,000 New Yorkers. Camera in hand, he began crisscrossing the city, covering thousands of miles on foot. He found himself collecting quotes and short stories from the people he met and including them alongside the photographs on a blog he created called Humans of New York. Brandon Stanton now has four million followers on social media. In one of my favorite posts, he asks a woman, what's your greatest struggle right now? Struggle, she asks, what does it mean? So English is not her first language. Challenge, he says, what's your greatest challenge right now? Ah, she understands. Being a good grandmother. What's the toughest part about being a good grandmother? Oh, I don't know if I can answer in English. Let me see. Be present. Listen. Be loveful. Did I say that right? Loveful? Beloved spiritual companions, may we cultivate our capacity for empathy and be the ones who can be silent in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing. May we be the ones who understand powerlessness. 
out of our own suffering something beautiful, a capacity for humanity. It matters that we care. To smile, to laugh, to reach out and offer a human touch, to be face to face is good for others' hearts and for our own. Let us be present and listen. May we be loveful. Amen.